Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. Back with you. Happy holidays to one and all. I'm Mike Lindsley. Hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports, and we are all over the place, man. Google, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer. Make sure you put in that download subscription and a five-star review for example on apple phones just go to your purple podcast button tap that go to the search uh tool and uh and and just type in ml sports platter you will get instantly delivered to your cell phone new and archived episodes of the show uh we are brought to you by our great friends at stanley law offices burn dairy brian Comboy of mass mutual new york state and Axe Exotic Pets. If you're in and around Central New York, you need that exotic pet. They've got special birds and snakes and <clears throat> a lot more. Um, they have all the amenities, big fish tanks, you name it. They've got it. Lizards, chameleons, it's all there. Axe Exotic Pets. That's A-C-K apostrophe S. Axe Exotic Pets on Facebook. Go check them out for all their holiday specials. Hours and much, much more. Axe Exotic Pets. Tip of the cap, thank you as well to the Whitaker and Swan families for their support of the platform. So in this podcast, I'm going to break down uh, the Bills and Saints game from Thanksgiving uh, solely. It's a, it's just an all-game recap. Um, and I'm going to you know kind of give a little good, a little bad, a little ugly. And we'll kind of give a little bit here as I record this the day after. You'll hear it on Monday of Patriots Week. Kind of get a sneak preview into that game as well, even though we're waiting as I record this for the Patriots to play the Titans. Uh, Matchup-wise, a lot of things will still be the same. So let's dive into it. The good is obviously the Bills were in dire straits. They were in desperate need of a win. They got it. Albeit against a bad team, they got it, right? They had to have this game, whether... Really, really good number one player, you know, 1A players were in there or not. Uh, they had to go and take care of business. They did it in a hostile environment, in prime time, on a short week after they got run over by the Colts. Those are all good, positive things for the Buffalo Bills, and they can build off of that, I think, without question. A couple of more things that were really good uh, takeaways from this game. Defensively. Obviously, I know, again, inferior offense on the Saints side of things. By no means does Trevor Simeon or Tony Jones Jr. or, you know, Lil Jordan Humphrey, (laughs) do they strike fear in the hearts of defenders? 
uh, but the defense did dominate. I mean, they played a pretty sound football game. Other than once in a while, I don't know what the deal is, but the corners, you know, they kind of leave a little too much cushion for receivers, whether, you know, they're one in, you know, number ones, number twos, if they're role players, whatever. It seems to me there, there's still a lot of openness when the Bills defend the pass. And clearly this was not a great offensive line. You didn't have Jonathan Taylor. So the, the, the cards were stacked in your favor. There's no doubt about it. But, but again, taking care of business, playing against an inferior team, <clears throat> the Bills defense came to play. I thought Matt Milano was outstanding. And really, we haven't seen a ton of the great Matt Milano, right? Like the exceptional Matt Milano that uh, we've, we've come, to know, uh, come to know as Bills fans. Um, you know, the blow-up plays, the coverage, etc., uh, tons of tackles. Like we need more Matt Milano, uh, like like that game against the Saints. He had eight total tackles, one for a loss. He had five solo tackles in that uh, in that total. So good game for him. It was great to have Tremaine Edmonds back. If you're a Bills fan, he had eight tackles, five of which were solo. But the best defender was Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver had four total tackles, two of which were solo, but he had two for loss and he had a sack. And he blew up another huge play uh, in which Mario Addison was then, excuse me, they gave Oliver a half a sack. Um, Mario Addison then was given, uh, actually, hang on one second. I read the wrong column. That's where that started. At Oliver, four tackles total, three were solo, and he had a half a sack uh, in the game. But he blew up another one in which Mario Addison ended up getting the sack. Now, Mario Addison was really good in terms of getting to the quarterback, but he just can't seem to make tackles or finish plays. And that's what we saw even on, um, you know, the Hal Murray play last year in Arizona where Addison was chasing Kyler Murray, just couldn't quite, quite get there, couldn't quite disrupt him just enough. Well, that's kind of the same way as when you're, you know, bear-hugging a quarterback and you can't bring him down. Nevertheless, Addison was very active. <clears throat> he was really, really good overall. Um, you know, so Oliver, I would put one, Addison at two, I'd probably throw, you know, a, a, a Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, Jordan Poyer, who had a pick late, Micah Hyde, you know, all those guys sort of lumped in there um, right after Oliver and Addison in terms of their performance. But the Bills, you know, they got a couple of turnovers in this game. Uh, no surprise. Obviously, actually, the, the, the Poyer interception, I guess, was the only one. Um, you know, F.A. Obata had a half a sack in this game, right? Like, that's... You know, that's a that's a great thing for Buffalo. Um, they were missing Starla Tulele again. They split time with Harrison Phillips and rotated him in with, um, you know, with F.A. Obata, and Harrison Phillips was, was solid. Um, you know, again, I think this is a, a game for the Bills where they need to just take it and just build from it. I don't think you can tell a ton from this game, uh, but those were the good things, a couple more good things to add to the group. Um Josh Allen, we'll get to the bad Josh Allen in a second, and there's always good, bad Josh Allen, right, when he's playing more like 2019 than 2020. But the good Josh Allen was he was extremely accurate for the most part. I mean, he only had five passes that were not complete, um, 23 of 28 for 260 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, his QBR was 75.9, and his rating was above 115. So if you look at those numbers, Obviously, in today's pass-happy, offensive-centric league, you would say to yourself, wow, Josh Allen really didn't have a great game. But he, he, he had a solid game outside the two picks. 
260 yards, yeah, it's not 360, it's not 460, but the efficiency of Josh Allen working the offense in um, was certainly a, a good thing to see. Um, Stephon Diggs obviously looked really good when targeted. Uh, I thought it was great that they went to him in the beginning of the game. They got the early lead, um, but then they kind of, you know, had a, a drive stalled, and then they didn't really go right back to the well and go to Diggs, which is, to me, it's absurd because Stephon Diggs is your best player. I mean, I think he's the best player for the Buffalo Bills at any position. Um, and this year, certainly, I think he's a better receiver than Josh Allen, even as a quarterback. And I think Stephon Diggs needs to be targeted 15, 20 times a game minimum. I mean, I just think that's how it should be. He had seven catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. For me, my money, that's still not enough. It's not. Uh, Gabe Davis, a couple of catches, 47 yards total. Cole Beasley had five quiet catches for 46 yards. Dawson Knox, huge game, three for 32 and two touchdowns. And that's, you know, some of the good there uh, was Diggs when he was targeted, when he created space, when he needed to make plays. For this Bills offense, he did, certainly in the good category. Same with Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, same deal. Was a threat in the red zone. Probably should have had three touchdowns, right, in this game. Um, so th- those were the, the, the good things, um, you know, for me. Um, you know, the Bills, I thought special teams-wise, um, you know, Isaiah McKenzie was the healthy scratch, and Marquez Stevenson got in there. Uh, he did uh, fumble a ball, but he recovered quickly, you know, Tyler Bass was fine, didn't get a ton of work uh, other than kickoffs because, as you know, the Bills scored four touchdowns in this game for 28 points, and then uh, the other three, of course, was was a Bass field goal. Um, but he continues to have a very, very good year. And I think that pretty much covers it for, for the good um, in this game. Now, the bad is Josh Allen still seems to me like he's a little bit of a lost puppy. Um, I think that that can be attributed to a mix of different things. Number one, without question, um, you have the target on your back, right, with with all the pressure, all the expectations, the contract, the endorsements in the offseason, the Super Bowl picks, the MVP picks, all that stuff. When that stuff happens in sports and you have all that pressure – uh, people are coming after you. Uh, there's also a lot of tape on Josh Allen, right? Like last year, had a great year. The better you become, the more tape is out there. And that means, you know, the better you, you become, then there's more preparation against you. Um, there there are so many factors uh, into this thing. Josh Allen also is getting, you know, no help from his offensive line, which has been extremely banged up all year. It has not been a cohesive, consistent unit. They've had the issues with Spencer Brown and the Corona. They've had the injury with John Feliciano. That that is a an offensive line that is absolutely atrocious right now. I mean, when you look at some of these plays, Allen has absolutely no time. He'll go back and you'll be like one Mississippi, and you can't even finish one Mississippi. And the guy is absolutely getting pressured and 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 rolled into and and all that. Allen, I thought, did a decent job running out of the pocket, avoiding contact on slides and such, but he did take a beating uh, in in other areas. I mean, a real beating. He he just still, for me, still takes too many hits. Part of that is Allen. Part of that's the offensive line. Um, You know, there should have been a penalty on a Saints defender where he, you know, kind of side head-butted Allen and, uh, you know, taunted him a little bit. That was BS. Um, But that that is something, you know, Allen seems as though, like, on the road, 
hostile environments, and I talked about this in the preseason, you know, you wondered how, I mean, look, yeah, has he played in big games before? Sure. Have all these guys played in big games before? Sure. But I think coming off of what we did last year into, like, the normal atmospheres that we were used to, there is a transition period, and Allen has historically, and I say historically using it light because, you know, he hasn't been in the league that long, but his recent history has been that he has a major, 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 major problem with a ton of noise. You could see his hands up to the helmet. He was kind of all over the place. He looked like he was guessing a few times, um, certainly in the first half when the Bills' offense went cold um, and, and a few times in the second half. So um, I, I don't know what you do there. Um, you can practice for it. You can, um, you know, prepare with sound noise, uh, noise added, um, you know, machines and all that in practice. But the fact of the matter is that that's just a game situation. And Allen's going to have to figure out a way to get past the hostile environment and noise, because let's be honest, if this Bills team continues to stay together and Allen is the quarterback, uh, they're going to probably be in the playoffs a few more times. And I would guarantee you that they're going to have to go on the road a, a good many times to, uh, to to win you know games in the postseason. In fact, this year it's pretty much a guarantee that they'll probably have to go on the road at least once, uh, unless something wild happens where they win out, you know, and get home field advantage, which I don't see happening. Um, other bad things again. O line is just really really bad. There's no doubt. In fact, I left one thing out in the good category that affects the bad and the ugly. Ten days off now, the Bills uh, will rest and relax and train and prepare for the New England Patriots for a Monday Night Football game on the 6th of December um, in Orchard Park. That'll be a wild atmosphere. Um, That's certainly a good because I'm thinking that by that point, Spencer Brown, John Feliciano, the two most important guys for the Bills' offensive line, they'll be in there. You've got 10 days to prepare Obviously, you know, Bill Belichick has, uh, you know, kind of a a little bit longer as well, I guess, because he plays on a Sunday and they don't, you know, play until they loop around on Monday. Um, Belichick in New England, they have a recipe for the Bills. Uh, there is a recipe that's out there to beat the Bills, and it's run the football and get your defense in Josh Allen's face and expose the offensive line. That's how you beat the Bills right now. Um, you know, and from there you close gaps, you do this, you do that. You know, Belichick has played uh, a ton of zone this year, which you don't see a lot of in in his history. Uh, he's usually doing, you know, if it's in Super Bowl twenty five, it's a two nine gap to take away an offense. It's it's different blitzing and man to man stuff. It's 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 scheming. Um, so he's really implemented a lot of stuff into his defense. That's the formula to beat the Bills. You run the football. Uh, you play uh, very smart offensively. You control the time of possession, the clock, etc. Your defense. Uh, you know, is, is there to help win the game. You run the football and, and, and you win a, you know, a, a 20 to 14 game, a 17 to 13 type game. Um, so the recipe is out there to try and beat the Bills. I think everybody has the blueprint. The Titans had it. The Colts had it. The Patriots certainly have it. Um, so that that's how that goes. But, you know, having 10 days off is a big deal uh, for the Bills, at least to get some people back. Uh, I think there's a lot of nicks and knacks on the team as well, roster-wise, you know, bodies, little minor injuries here, there, and in between. I think it'll be good for a Cole Beasley. It'll be good for a Stephon Diggs. It'll be good for a Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. It'll be good for a veteran like Jerry Hughes. I mean, 10 days off, that's a long time before you have to play again. So that's a good one. Um, 
obviously with the O-line being so bad, that good has to impact the bad because eventually, it, it, look, if they don't get Spencer Brown and if they don't get, um, you know, if they don't get Spencer Brown and John Feliciano back, this team isn't going anywhere anyway. Um, as far as other bad things, eh, you know, probably just the fact that even though the Bills, you know, were up 10 nothing at the half and it felt like they were up 21, 24, 27 points, it felt like there was no way the Saints could overcome things with the Bills. They're just, they're just not a good football team, and they just don't have any weapons right now, despite the fact that Sean Payton's a great, great head coach. No great, great head coach has done it without great, great players. Um, and, and frankly, no great players have done it without head coaches. They, uh, they, they, it's a, it's a, it's a puzzle, you know, it's a puzzle of a couple of, of, of different pieces in terms of trying to, to win a championship. Uh, but Sean Payton, clearly, you know, you can tell that offense, I mean, you know, you miss Drew Brees. Now last year, Drew Brees was not great. Congrats to him, by the way, getting honored in New Orleans, um, at halftime. I thought he was actually pretty good on color too. I thought he really brought a lot to the table and was awesome, uh, in, in, in the game. Uh, and, and on a, a drive um, with Josh Allen, I remember you know they should have the Bills should have taken a timeout and then two strikes at the end zone. They did not do that. I think that was late first half maybe. Um, and Breeze commented on that. I thought that was a very very good observation. Um, you know for the uh, for the color commentator and future Hall of Famer uh, in Drew Breeze. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was in the first half because um, I think it was the Tyler Bass field goal basically. And the Bills were having all kinds of problems with the clock, I think, with, you know, four, four and a half, five minutes-ish to go. And they ended up getting a field goal um, before they broke the game open with two touchdowns in the third quarter and then another touchdown uh, in the fourth. Um, so that, for me, pretty much covers the good and the bad. The ugly is, is Trey White. I mean... I, as I record this, I don't know what will happen. Uh, unfortunately, um, a lot of things on Twitter that were circulating, um, you know, this might be a, a really serious uh, injury like an ACL. He was in coverage and sort of, you know, kind of hyperextended the knee. And it looked to me maybe like, you know, it, it kind of, it buckled a little bit and then he, you know, he had gone down. Maybe it was a maybe it was an extension, hyperextension, a pull, uh, something of that magnitude. It didn't appear to be in front of my eyes, uh, and I've torn my ACL. I know exactly what that feels like, um, and you can see the pain on his face, the frustration on his face. He left and, and didn't obviously return, um, but it didn't look to me like Trey White um, had injured his ACL. Um, normally. You know, ACL injuries look much different than that, I think, um, as far as, you know, somebody coming down, especially on an offensive lineman, uh, on their leg and, and sort of and bending, you know, the knee and, and, and really just kind of crushing it, it, it to a certain extent. Um, sometimes a player makes a move, you know, goes up for a layup or uh, makes a wide receiver move and plants it, you know, plants the foot. And, and all of a sudden the knee like buckles, but you can kind of see more of a, you know, more of a, a bending down and, and kind of a collapse of the knee where this one kind of hyperextended up and then, and then kind of sat down. So um, clearly he could have torn the ACL that way too, but it just didn't to me in real time. And even on the replays, it didn't look like that. 
uh, is all I'm saying. So, um, you know, look, hopefully Trey White is, 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 is okay because, because, um, this is obviously a huge loss for the bills. Um, I mentioned the offensive line that is a, a disaster, um, with problems with this football team after the offensive line, you probably could make an argument for either the running game being piss poor, uh, even though they got, you know, last, uh, last game against the saints, they did get, uh, you know, what was it? 113 total yards on the ground, but they had to hand the ball off 32 times to get it, <laughs> you know, um, you know, Singletary, I don't know. They kept going back to the well with, with, with the running game and enforcing it. And I don't know, you know, is Sean McDermott tell, telling Brian Dable to, to run it? You know, we, we got to run. If we don't run the ball, we're not going to win. Um, but when you're throwing the ball and you attack and you get first downs, you got the defense now on their heels. They have no idea what's coming at you. Is it a slant to Diggs? Is it deep to Sanders? Is it over the top to Gabe Davis? Is it to Dawson Knox in the red zone? Um, is it going to be maybe even a draw play? But if you throw right away on first down again, you keep them, you know, you keep them guessing. You keep them having to work to stop your talented wide receiver core. I just, it makes no sense to go like, oh, well, just got a first down, huge momentum. Let's say it was a third and eight, boom. Then they go right back to the running game. So that part of it's frustrating. I'm not saying that you don't need a running game. I'm saying that you do need a semblance of a running game. But in certain spots, when the passing game is there pretty much every single time and you're playing against an inferior opponent when you have the opportunity to blow the game open, keep throwing the ball. You know, like keep throwing the ball. Um, It is, you know, according to so many um, reports, uh, it is out there, though, that um, the team is fearing a potential season-ending injury. Um, so we'll have to just keep monitoring this. As you hear this podcast, the injury may have, have already been announced. Um, but many are speculating it to be an ACL injury. And certainly from the face, the look of Trey White and the pain he was in, um, there's no doubt that something serious happened. Um, Dr. Chow, um, observed White's disappointment with Buffalo's medical team, and he said, quote, unfortunately, fears of ACL escalated. Um, and, you know, it, it was tight coverage on Marquez Calloway, uh, and, and he, he just, you know, started limping uh, after a routine, routine play. Uh, Dr. Chow also had mentioned, quote, the Bills star corner suffered a knee injury, and by the video there was worry for an ACL tear. White down on the field, the Bills training staff performed the Lachman test on his left knee, which is an off- uh, on-field test for an ACL tear. The LSU alum went into the blue tent before heading to the locker room and eventually being ruled out. So um, he's from the area. This was a big deal for Trey White. It was a primetime Thanksgiving game. You know, he's back He's back home. Um, I tell you what, I, I, feel, I really feel for this guy, man. You know, he's, he's been a great player for the Bills. Uh, he's a number one corner. Um, he's a great guy in the locker room. He's got a ton of energy, and he's a part of what they're doing. And, uh, Man, you hate to lose. You hate to lose him. I mean, after the offensive line woes, you could probably argue, you know, the running game and then and then the you know pass rush secondary and what's you know if you lined up the Bills' problems, where would the corner spots be? I'd probably put it fourth if Trey White's in there. If he's not, I think you could argue it to be number two because there's two reasons for that. Number one, mm-hmm. you got to be able to cover people, but number two, because the Bills defensive pass rush is so helter-skelter 
their guys are left on an island a lot. And oh, by the way, the Bills' corners, as I mentioned and alluded to earlier in the podcast, they tend to give cushion to wide receivers. I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter the game. It doesn't matter how good the wide receiver is. It doesn't matter if it's a 1A, a, a 1, 1A, 2, 2A, 2, 2B. It doesn't matter. They continue to just give yards to the other team in terms of, okay, quick strike, boom, five, six yards. That has got to somehow tighten up for the Bills, uh, and it ain't going to tighten up if Trey White isn't in there. Um, you know, so this is a huge problem. Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, that's not – you know, a Super Bowl contending cornerback duo. Um, there are a lot of teams out there who don't have a Super Bowl contender duo, and they're still Super Bowl contenders. But in the case of the Buffalo Bills, this is just another layer to add into uh, some of the problems that they have. I think the Bills, it's a two-sided coin when you play a team like the Saints in a game like this, and you, you're you're a solid, really solid team, and, and they're just not. Um, you know, the one hand is, hey, play the game, play the schedule, need the win, beat them, hostile environment, blah, blah, blah. Then the other half is there still are a lot of problems with this Bills team. And I am I am in a position, though, where I think that the Bills were so much better off playing on the short week because it showed, hey, quick turnaround, we got to get a win back and, and move on, as opposed to uh, the other thinking, which is, oh, short week, we don't have time to prepare it and get on the practice field. And this was a perfect opponent to beat in a short week, you know, it's not a conference opponent. The Bills' four losses are all to AFC East teams. They've got to start correcting that. Um, and the 10 days now to prepare, that's the big, big thing. It's another Monday primetime game. Then you go into a short week again that following Sunday. But you got to take care of business at home against New England Patriots. The Jacksonville Jaguars' loss for the Bills is becoming more and more of a problem. When you look at the AFC standings, Boy, in the NFL, when you get to this time of year, eight and three looks a lot different than seven and four, doesn't it? You know, I mean, it, it's kind of like the the six and five, you know, looks a lot different than seven and four. Um, and when you look at the AFC standings, we have the Titans playing the Patriots this week. We have the, uh, uh, you know, again, as you as you as you hear this and as I record it, uh, these games have not taken place yet. Um, you know. Titans and Patriots, like, who do you want? Because if the Patriots win, they're in first place. If they lose, the Bills are uh, probably percentage points ahead only because it would be one, you know, the Bills have played at that point one less game, um, and, the, and the Patriots would have lost one more game uh, at 7-5. and five. It'll either be 8-4, and 7-5. If the Titans win it, they're 9-3 and three and now have a two-game lead plus tiebreaker over the Bills. But as a Bills fan, don't you want the division because you don't want to deal with that all offseason when New England's back, New England won, New England. You know, you had your fun for a year. Like, I, don't, I don't know if you want that as a Bills fan. Maybe take your chances on, well, look, we have to go on the road anyway in the postseason, uh, at least one game if we don't get the home field, whether that's at Arrowhead, at Tennessee again, uh, at Baltimore, at New England. I mean, it, it, who knows what it is. But, you know, I'd rather go on the road as a division champ than as a wild card for sure. Uh, and so I, I think it's important for the Bills to capture the division, and that's why I would say, you know, Bills fans, you got, you know, you got to root against New England. Um, so, you, but you have you have big, you know, look, look at these um, teams now, right? Like Indianapolis, six and five, they have a tiebreaker against the Bills if they end up tying. Kansas City now has seven wins. The Chargers six and four. Now they look they're, like they're back a little bit. A couple of teams that have pulled back to the pack 
uh, Denver Broncos being one of them, and the Pittsburgh Steelers being another. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers now um, really, I mean, look, they tied the Detroit Lions, which is absolutely embarrassing. And then they got beat by the Chargers on the road in a shootout um, on prime time. Uh, so the Steelers have come back a little bit. They have a tie break against the Bills as well. So it's important for the Bills, again, to keep staying ahead, staying ahead, staying ahead of the likes of you know, Pittsburgh, KC, etc. Um, you know, I think Baltimore could be a problem in the playoffs. That's it's a physical team. Lamar's tough. Um, the Chiefs, their defense is really coming on, and, and that offense never goes away. Uh, until the Chiefs are, are dethroned, you know, you always have to watch out for them, right? Um, big game, again, Browns and Ravens. Uh, is that a game, if you're a Bills fan, that you want to have, you know, the Browns win, but then all of a sudden they're 7-5 and five with the same win total as the Bills? Or do you want to have the Ravens lose, go, or uh, Ravens win 8-3, and three, and then put the Browns back at 500, 8-3 for the Ravens? Somebody's got to win that division. It's either them or the Bengals, right? And so, uh, and I guess Pittsburgh's still in it, of course, because they're only a couple games behind. Um, but one of those teams has to win the division. I don't think if, if, if you're a Bills fan, I don't think you want to see, well, now with the Ravens at 7-3, and three, we want to see the you know, Bengals win the division and then the Ravens get the wild card. Or the Steelers, you know, if they get up there a little bit, even if they improve their wild card status and the Bills are our wild card, well, the Steelers are going to have a better seed because they beat the Bills in week one. So these are all the things you have to pay attention to in the NFL. But that loss of the Jaguars is killer because the Bills would be 8-3 and three right now which is equal to Tennessee. They would be one of the two best teams record-wise in the AFC. And certainly the tiebreak will go to Tennessee, but they'd be right there. And frankly, the Bills would be 8-3 and three with a lot of other teams in the NFL as well. I mean, you know, we still have to wait for all the games to be played, but, you know, they would be right there, you know, right just behind the Arizona Cardinals, for example. Um, you know, just one game behind as I record this, right? So, uh, you know, and you've got Green Bay eight and three before they head into their game this week. So there, there's again, you lose a game like that against Jacksonville. I'm not saying that games aren't different in preparation and thinking. I know that coaches and players try to tell you, oh, we prepare every week for the same, the same way, the same way, but you don't because you prepare for different coaches, uh, possibly a road game, different players. Are there injuries? Different schemes? Is the team hot? Are they doing something different? Are you healthy or unhealthy? Um, you know, and, and sometimes the Jaguars, it's not as much juice as, you know, at Arrowhead, right, and playing the two-time AFC defending champion in, in a Super Bowl team from two years ago in the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, games aren't the same in terms of the, the importance and the hype and fan interest. It, it's different. And so I understand you can lay an egg once in a while against an inferior opponent, but under no circumstance should the Buffalo Bills be losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's absolutely inexcusable. It's absurd, and it's continuing to hurt them this season because look at the playoff positioning. They could be a game up on a lot of teams. They could be tied right there with the Tennessee Titans you know, before they play the New England Patriots. If the Bills were 8-3 and three right now, uh, you probably would root, I think, for New England in the game, right? Because that means that you would keep the Titans back a little bit. You'd have an even record. They'd still have the tie break. New England with eight wins. Um, you're eight and three, but then they're eight and four. You still have percentage points higher, and then you play them Monday night. If you can beat them there, and then move to nine and three, now all of a sudden you've created some space between you and the Patriots, and you're right on the heels of the Titans. I think if the Bills were eight and three, I think you'd root for. I think you would root for 
um, the New England Patriots. But in this particular spot, I don't think you do because you're even with New England. And then the last thing you want to do as a Bills fan is deal with the the uh, the Patriot thing. Uh, certainly the rest of this year and, and in the offseason. So um, that's some of the good, some of the bad, some of the ugly from the win over the New Orleans Saints. The Bills will take on the New England Patriots uh, December 6th. That's a primetime Monday night football game. Uh, and, uh, boy, I'm here for it. <laughs> it's going to be a wild, crazy atmosphere in Orchard Park without a doubt. And we know that the Patriots are one of those teams in the NFL that's got a major blueprint to stop and slow down the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they've got the running game. They've got the defense, time of possession, clock, all the schemes, the best head coach. So we'll see how that game goes. But the Bills have 10 days to prepare for them. And, uh, man, as I record this, we await the Trey White news. And uh, the Bills hope to get, you know, linemen back and, and, and hopefully Dane Jackson and some of the other corners extra reps um, if Trey White is going to be out for a good chunk of time. Mike Lindsley with you. It's the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeartMedia, Amazon Music, you name it. Download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. A big thanks to Syracuse Fitness Store, the Allen Angus Pub, and your State Farm agent, Matt Graham. Get a free rate quote today if you are in and around the great state of New York. SyracuseInsuranceAgent.com. Auto, home, life, bank, health, and business. And by the way, Ask Matt about the rate drop that State Farm recently introduced a couple of months ago. A tip of the cap thank you as well to Heather Saxton of Hunt Real Estate, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and our great friends over at Brewerton Ace Hardware. Stop by if you're in and around Central New York, Route 11. Um, just before the Brewerton Bridge, they've got it all, man. Inside and outside amenities, they've got your grills, they've got your pizza ovens, they have shovels and garbage cans and much more, and they carry a lot of awesome product from local vendors barbecue sauces, uh, wing sauces, pickles, jerky, you name it. So get on over to Burton Ace Hardware, the helpful place. Go ahead and log on to acehardware.com. Search your location, and uh, away you go at Burton Ace Hardware. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Lindsley. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.